Hey, this podcast podcast episode is brought to you by Used to Go to Church. You know, life can often be brutal, unjust, and fraught with emotional trauma. As a first responder chaplain for nearly 25 years, author Nick Felicities has experienced countless scenes of unbearable grief and pain. When asking the brokenhearted, do you have a faith to help you through? The response in some form is almost always, well, we used to go to church. Blending first-hand accounts of tragedy with opportunity for raw self-examination and reflection, in his book, Used to Go to Church, Felicities delves into the realm of spirituality and belief amid loss and despair. For the spiritual but not religious who want to pursue God outside the walls of organized religion, Used to Go to Church is an invitation to rethink faith and open up to a life centered on grace, mercy, and love. Now, whether you are religious, non-religious, Christian, or agnostic, churchgoer, or church lever, the person who is starting with page one of Used to Go to Church will not be the same person who finishes the last sentence. Available on Amazon in all formats, visit Nick's blog at usedtogotochurch.com. If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Well, hello and welcome back to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. We are doing our final episode in the Ghosts and Ghouls series. Can't wait to jump into the topic. But uh, before we do that, we're going to say, ooh, spooky. <laughs> Did you feel that? Ooh, just kind of went right through me. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to do some introductions real quick. Uh, my name is Keith Giles. I'm one of your co-hosts, uh, also the author of the recently released Sola Deus, What If God Is All of Us? And I am joined by my co-hosts, um, Katie, Shonda, and sometimes Matt. Say hello. Hey, everyone. This is Katie. I'm the founder of the Metaphysical Christian Facebook community. I'm sad that this is our final episode in this series. I'm also recording it super tired. I haven't slept in about 24 hours. I've been traveling. So if I say something more off the wall than usual, you can all blame ghosts, spirits, or fatigue. I'm open. My name is Shonda Ja. I am the author of Rebels, Despots, and Saints, The Ancestors Who Free Us and The Ancestors We Need to Free. I am particularly excited about today's subject because my primary reference point for mediums is Whoopi Goldberg. So I feel like I'm going to learn a lot today. And I am sometimes Matt, the producer, the sometimes host. Happy to be here. I don't know anything about this topic. So I'm here to learn from you fine folks. It seems like we're short a person. And we we are. I was yeah, just going to say it, it yeah, we we are missing someone. Uh December is not with us today and she but she does fear not. She does have a message for us and for our lovely listeners, everyone listening out there in internet land. So I'm going to go ahead and ask our producer to play that for you. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is December Rose, your blackest friend from Heretic Happy Hour. And I just want to let you know how grateful I am that you have been tuning in, that you've been listening, that you've been downloading, that you've been sharing this show and how wonderful it has been to be a co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour. And I wanted to inform you that I'm going to be taking a little break. I don't know if you know, but I've been married recently. Ow. 
Okay, I'm getting ready to move. My kids are getting ready to go back to school. I started a new job. And so, you know what? There's just a little bit going on. Just some life stuff. You know, just some life stuff. And so, I'm trying to take time for my family, if that's all right. Is that all right? Is that all right with you? Hopefully, it is because, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I'm looking forward to getting back on the show. I'm looking forward to bringing that sauce, that salt, that love, that light, that liberty that you love about Heretic Happy Hour. But until then, stay tuned, keep listening, keep downloading, keep sharing, keep telling people about the show because at the end of the day, this is a show for you, right? For you to learn more about you, learn more about God if that's what you want to do, learn more about faith, your deconstruction journey, your walk through this life in the divine. Okay, it's about all those things and I hope that you will continue to stay tuned and until I get back around here, you know what, make sure you wash your ass, okay, pay your taxes, drink some water and mind your motherfucking business, okay, listen, I love you, I love you, I love you and I look forward to being back. Back on the heretic happy hour in just a few short months. Y'all take care. I miss her already. (laughs) (laughs) I don't I I want to know how many people go wash their ass because she just instructed. I think it's good instructions though, December. It's like good good life hacks right there. (laughs) All of that. That was all good advice. All of that was very good advice. Thank you. Thank you, December. We uh we love you, we miss you. Um and uh we're gonna do our best to keep going. Uh, while you're gone and uh, look forward to you coming back. That that phrase that she said reminded me of a quote by Dwight Schrute. If I may quote the great philosopher Dwight Schrute, mm. friend of the show. Yes. Um, don't get me started on how coddled the modern anus is. <laughs> <laughs> I give you no context. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. So oh, it's, man. Dece- December is one of those people who can, she can make you happy that even though she's leaving for a little bit, like, that that message was so uplifting and made me happy and then realizing like oh she's not gonna be here for a couple months huh right. damn so yeah. yeah december you could pretty much yeah. read the phone book and i'd listen so we are we are gonna miss mm-hmm. you so it's just a hiatus you'll be back in a few months um hey before we jump into our heritage of the week um i just want to take a second and say by the way um real quick thank you to everybody who supports the podcast um on patreon Woo-hoo! it really does mean a lot um i don't want to overstate it but you know it, it it's uh it really does help us to continue doing the show. And we, um, we just love being able to give you guys some you know, like bonus content, extra stuff um, to say thank you. If you don't support the show yet, if you would have, head over to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour, choose a tier that fits with your budget and um, whatever you can do to help the show, we would really appreciate it. Thank you all so much. And um, yeah, just want to say thanks. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say real quick before, Katie jumps in here. Um, I, I just dropped a free ebook in there for our Patreon subscribers. Oh. So I didn't tell anyone. I wrote a book specifically for Patreon subscribers of my own and for Heretic Happy Hour. So just Damn. a little bit of bonus content Ooh. that you get in there. What's Thank the, you. Like, give, us a, give us a sexy hint, Matt. Like, what's the topic? It's all satire. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a collection of satire. Yay. Yeah, beautiful. You can, you Which can, is but, a lot of it's, it's not yet. It's not just a, you know, I actually designed the book interior. So it's actually like I could print this out of the book, but um, so it's real nice. It's it's a classy product and it'll make you laugh. Very cool. And don't forget, you know, we have the indulgence level. So everyone's sins can be forgiven. That's right. Another bonus. Great shot to have it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so we are, this is our final uh, episode in our series on ghosts and ghouls. And today's topic is all about mediumship. So we're going to break this down, deconstruct this for you. And that we are so lucky because we had this amazing heretic, uh, your heretic of the week, a a guest that Keith uh, reached out and found for us. Thank you, Keith. This is amazing. So you're going to get to hear from a real live medium right now. It's the heretic of the week. Hi, I'm Kirsten Parsons Hathcock. I am the heretic of the week. I am an author, an entrepreneur, and an intuitive medium. Hi, Hi Kirsten. Kirsten. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, believe it or not, we are actually very thrilled to have you as our heretic of the week, Kirsten. Um, and as we all do, uh, that first question, why would anybody call you a heretic? Oh boy, lots of reasons. <laughs> but I'll start with intuitive medium. That's the one that uh, I think yeah. would would qualify me most. Um, you know, honestly, I didn't grow up a heretic, quote unquote. <laughs> I didn't grow up a medium either. So it wasn't until I was 36 that I suddenly started seeing and hearing from people who were on the other side. Uh, so, you know, my life was not uh, was not built around any of this. And so, you know, even stepping into that as an adult, it's really interesting, right, to, to get the feedback um, that I'm getting, because for the most part, it's been great. But, you know, there are folks that think I'm nuts, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Yeah. So do you get a lot of that? I mean, um, it's good to hear that you mostly mm-hmm. it's positive, but do you get a lot of pushback from people from sort of religious backgrounds? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, the question I get quite a bit is how can I have my faith and also believe in mediumship? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I understand, I think, is it Leviticus that has a line in the in the Bible about stoning mediums, you know, and killing them? So I understand. I'm not, you know, I'm not in support of that. Right. But I, I do understand why people have such a hard time wrapping their head around it. Um, you know, I came from a, a Christian family, Baptist, actually, in Ohio. Uh, we did not go to church every weekend, but my grandmothers would, you know, take me to Sunday school when I was a kid. So my background is knowing that there was something bigger than me, but not really being indoctrinated, I guess, into any specific faith, which it definitely came in handy at 36 when I was trying to make sense of, you know, am I losing my mind or is this really something that's, that's real and true? Yeah, that's, that's, I can imagine. And, um, I, I'm very just fascinated by you and your story, and um, I know you have a book as well. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of that. Cool. Um, so Kirsten, just full, and everyone, yes. listeners, full disclosure: yes. I just held a bonus session for some of my clients. It was a group mediumship session, so I'm I'm full awesome. on in. Um, awesome. So tell us what like let's let's just demystify that word a little bit, and what is your definition of mediumship? Thank you for asking that. And that's fantastic that you just had that session. Uh, So my definition of mediumship is really connecting with those who are on the other side. And, you know, my I'm very scientific. I grew up extremely scientific. So everything in my, you know, in my background, um, even as I was going in to try and figure all this stuff out, was to first look at the science. 
and look at quantum physics and understanding that we are all energy and energy cannot be you know destroyed um, that I, I look at that framework so if if I'm looking at the framework of we are all energy and when we pass on we just move into more of an energetic form then I'm making those connections with the energy that was that person and so mediumship to me is um, simply just receiving messages, you know, from those that are in sort of a different dimension, I guess I could say. Uh, some call it heaven, some call it the other side. For me, it's really about um, very heart-centered connection in order to help pass messages to law enforcement and to loved ones who could really use the messages. And, and I have a question, um, and, and I'm so glad that you're with us. We're currently doing a series on ghosts and spirits and things. So this is so like right in line with that. But my question is someone who's uh, unfamiliar with this, with this arena is what, what, what is the difference between an intuitive, I heard you say intuitive Mm -hmm. medium uh, versus any other kind, like uh, what, what defines an intuitive medium versus any other kind, you know, I says, I don't know what kinds are out there, the non-intuitive, the, you know, Miss Cleo versus, you know, who, what is yeah. an intuitive medium? <laughs> well, thank you for asking that question. Honestly, I use the word intuitive because it has less uh, of a, a negative connotation than psychic medium. Um, You know, for me, I talk quite a bit about intuition because I feel like, you know, mediumship is one part of intuition and we can all have afterlife or after death communication. We have that ability within us. Uh, So for me, it's um, just using your intuition, your God-given intuition that runs throughout all of us to be able to do those types of things like connect with those on the other side, or even just have a gut feeling about somebody. You know, I I think that I don't separate the two. So I definitely use intuition and I use the word intuitive because I think that it all fits together. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I know that there are probably lots of amazing stories in your book. The book is Little Voices. Is that yes, right? Yes. Yes. Little Voices. Yes. And I know that Keith has heard of one of your stories directly mm-hmm. sure. um, about people he is close with. Would you be willing mm-hmm. to share an experience you've had, uh, what it felt like, uh, how you had a sense of what was actually going on? Sure. Sure. Well, I'll just, I'll start the, at the beginning. So, um, again, I you know grew up very scientific. I also grew up um, just in a very grounded family from Ohio. My dad's a football coach. My you know my mom's a teacher. Um, this was the furthest thing from my mind. However, we were living in Los Angeles at the time. I was 36. I was running a business, um, a furniture company that I started out of our garage. Um, I was on Shark Tank. Uh, and have been able to grow that business internationally. Um, So, you know, that persona, that was easy. I loved that. Like living that life was super easy. When I started to um, suddenly hear voices and see nails moving across the workbench while I'm in the garage working on toy boxes, um, that's when I thought, okay, I'm losing it. I'm absolutely losing my mind. So, it was 36. I was 36. I turned 36 on uh, September 9th, two, and that was 2009. So if you're into numerology or you know anything about that, um, that's those are a lot of that's a lot of nines. And <laughs> apparently nines mean sort of a completion in this lifetime. So 
I'm 36. I'm in the garage. Things are moving. I'm hearing things. I literally said to my husband, like, I really think I'm losing my mind. This, this must be the polyurethane I've been breathing for the last four years. <laughs> I don't know what else to, I don't know how else to explain it. It kept ramping up and kept ramping up. And so I didn't tell anyone other than my husband at the time, because I just thought this is, this is nuts. I'm not going to share this. Um, until one day I am reading Facebook and um, I have friends from high school that I'm connected to that I didn't really know very well because they were a couple years older than me. However, I also, um, I also really liked them. You know, I remember liking them when they were in high school. So I'm reading a post and unfortunately they had lost their son um, at the age of 13 and he died from basically a brain bleed and uh, it's called an AVM. So I'm reading a post about his memorial and all of a sudden I'm hearing him and I'm feeling him. And I also could see in my mind's eye, him standing next to me. It was, it was kind of like an odd shot, right? Like I'm looking in on it and I thought, this is nuts. This is not happening. But then it just was so real. I could just, I could hear him so clearly that I finally just went, hi, Nate, like, is that, is this you? Because if it is, then, you know, are you coming to me for a reason? And he said, I want you to pass messages to my parents. Hmm. Um, And so as you can imagine, that was terrifying because not only am I reaching back to my small town in Defiance, Ohio, but I don't, first of all, want to hurt them because they're parents who've lost children. Hmm. Um, I don't want to do anything that was going to hurt my parents who still live there as well. And I certainly didn't want to be known as the crazy woman, you know, uh, from Los Angeles. So I took down all of these messages and some were extremely uh, specific and, and I put them away in a drawer for a couple of days. And I just thought if I'm supposed to do this, I'll know. And so I'm in the garage again, I'm building furniture, I am building a kid's toy box, right? My, my life is about children. Uh, and I mostly channel children in spirit. So I am, you know, basically sitting there just finishing up something. And I went, oh my gosh, it's time. I had this peaceful calm that came over me. Um, it was not anxious. It was very secure. It was very self-assured. And I thought, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this because he really wants me to do this. So I sent them a message. I sent the mom a message on Facebook. And I said, I don't know if you remember me. My dad was a football coach. I was two years younger than you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I reached out to her and she was very receptive. Now, at that time, I didn't know that she was also experiencing signs from him on the other side, that she was into that. I just sort of, you know, I took a shot (laughs) and she and I talked on the phone and I shared all the messages and her husband, who was very skeptical uh, and and rightly so, you know, was kind of looking at me sideways. And And she just kept saying, you know, this is, this is real. This is real. And so I went home one day, uh, I was visiting my parents and I knew I needed to go sit with them. So I went and I sat with them for a couple hours and I remember sitting with their younger son. Now at the time I had no idea that they were really not doing well as a family. Um, you know, the stress of losing a child and a brother, right? So all of that, that was so difficult for them. So I'm sitting with them And I remember, I don't remember the messages. I just remember getting very, very specific messages and talking with their son alone. 
Um, after the fact, I, uh, I, you know, basically reached out and just checked on them, make sure, you know, they were okay. And John, the father was like, you have changed our lives. You have no idea what you've done. Like, this is incredible. We can't thank you enough. Um, everything that they had been struggling with, Nate had had a message for and gave them hope and gave them, you know, the idea that all of them could look for him, you know, and know that he really was not, he was gone from his body, but he was not gone in spirit. So, you know, that actually gave me the confidence then to start to reach out to law enforcement, to create partnerships, like with one of my biggest partners, uh, Detective Mark Pucci from the NYPD. Um, We, you know, that, that was, he was such a gift to me. You know, I felt like I was wanting to make sure that I could share what I could with them, but he helped me move into this. Um, And he helped me, you know, have the confidence to do so. He also helped me in an abusive situation that I was in years later. And he was the one saying, pick yourself up. You know, this isn't right. You know, he was actually encouraging me. So what I found is that through my journey, these kids not only come in, you know, for me to help them, but they end up helping me, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. It um, it feels like there's a little bit of a, maybe a transitional moment or a story mm-hmm. or something between that mm-hmm. first story, which by the way, that's the story I heard first as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Karen Schock, who's also yeah. uh, an author with choir. Um, and she's the one that introduced me to you in the first place. So yes. she told me a bit of that story mm-hmm. and I was just like, what? Like, oh yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, I gotta, I gotta talk to this person. So that's how I reached out to you in the first place. But um but between that first story and, mm-hmm. you know, now talking to the NYPD and, and mm-hmm. helping other people, I don't know. It just feels like to me, at least I'm putting myself in this situation. Like in that first experience that you had uh, with Nate, if it were me, I would have been like, well, okay, we're done. That was cool. Um, yeah. It was all about that one person <laughs> and that one right. situation. And woo, I guess yeah. that never happened again until it happened again. So I, right, am yes. I right about that? Was Was there... Did you kind of feel like, oh, okay, that was all about this one situation that I'm connected to these people from my past, and and then what? How did it go from that to like the next one and the next one and the next one? Well, that's a great question. Thank you, and also thank you to Karen Shock if she's listening. I yes. just adore her, um, yes. and I'm really happy that she introduced us. So, you know, the reason that I knew that it wasn't just a one-off, so to speak, is because more children kept coming in. I would be in the kitchen and I would see out of the corner of my eye, a child walk through. I would hear mom and my kids were at school. Right. Right. Yeah. Very, very, very terrifying. Um, The, the hardest, scariest part about this though, you know, those messages were easy to share. There were messages of love. Um, They, I knew that they were going to help them. The messages that I started to get that were a lot more frightening had to do with children who had been, Uh, had either endured some sort of sexual abuse in their lifetime by a family member or by someone else and or had been abducted and murdered by pedophiles. I started to notice as these children were coming in and they would just sort of pop in uh, randomly or I might be reading an article and they would pop in. And I started to notice, like, look, I'm like, why are they coming to me? I don't understand this. I don't know the connection. Well, about two years into channeling, I started to have visions of myself 
um, as a young child who was being sexually abused by my uncle. So, you know, for me, there was a connector there. It took two years for me to figure it out, but they actually helped me uncover that as well. And that's why they were coming to me because they felt comfortable with me because I am in their club. So, um, you know, at that point though, you're right. It's terrifying. I mean, what do you do with that? You know, if you're faced with that, what do you do? And they're saying, please help me, please help me. I've dug for evidence. Um, I have worked on multiple cases that involve children who have been killed by, um, massive pedophile rings. Um, I can't give a lot of detail on those cases, unfortunately, because of the danger that, uh, is inherent in that work for anyone working on those, um, reaching out to those professionals, I had to just trust that, you know, who I was being guided to, those were the right people. And thank goodness they were. Mm. You know, I wasn't blanketing the FBI. I wasn't, you know, doing anything like that. It wasn't advertising. I was just following, almost like following the trail, the breadcrumbs. Yeah. And, um, and it led to amazing partnerships with incredible people across the country. Um, th- thank you for sharing all of that. And I want to um, just mm-hmm. affirm, and I don't want to scare any anyone because this is, well, it's like, like you said, yeah. some, sometimes this is kind of scary stuff. Um, but I've, I've worked with more than one person who, when they began to open their intuition, they found themselves mm-hmm. in a safe enough place to remember some, yeah. of, some of those things mm-hmm. like, like you did. Um, and the good news about that is not that it happened, but the good news is that when we begin to remember, we're usually in a strong enough space um, to be able to yes. process it at that moment. So it's this weird double-edged sword with intuition. It equips us to thank actually so deal much with tragedies. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for sharing it because I know that's not easy. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I speak very candidly about that. And it's also in the book, although I don't just FYI, I don't talk about uh, details of cases necessarily, and I don't talk about you know a lot of detail about abuse um, because I know it can be triggering. But you're absolutely right. And what was so interesting about it to me is that someone who's so scientifically minded, uh, it took having faith in my intuition in order for me to believe the visions that I was getting. And then it all made sense. Like I could look back and I could see, well, gosh, I remember having to have vaginal surgery when I was 19. I thought that was something congenital, but it was actually scar tissue. Mm -hmm. You know, I could put it all together. I was very, very shy as a child, very, very modest. You know, all of those signs were there. uh, If you were to check off the boxes for childhood sexual abuse survivors, it's just that I had no memory of it until I was 40. And, uh, and you're right though. I was in, I was in, you know, I was in a safer place for sure. And they had helped guide me to that. Mm -hmm. There's something about that, that statement safe to remember (laughs) and also, um, safe to be reminded. Um, you said something, uh, I think you just said something about, um, having the confidence to believe that this was that this was real. And a, a question that I would have, one question that I'm supposed to ask you is, how did you get from there to here? But I feel like you kind of answered that with that first situation that happened to you. So I'm going to remix that question and ask you, how did you, what was the shift from you thinking, um, this is something that I do versus this is someone that I am? 
This is oh. what I do versus this is who I am. And I think about, and, and I hope that makes sense. Like this, when, when Keith said, is this a one-off? Is this just, you know, something that happened and I'm just, or is this actually who I am? I'm literally, I, I, I'm a media, this is what I do, but this is right. actually who I am, period. Yes. Is there, was there a time where you just accepted that and leaned into that and just said, you know what? This is me. This is where I'm at. This is who I am. Yes. No, December. Thank you. That's a great question. Yes, there was a time. You know, I think when it, when I started to reach out and share information about cases that I, you know, I didn't know these children. Some of them were cold cases from the 80s and the 70s. Um, the, the moment I think I really, I really embraced it. Uh, was probably 2013-ish, right? So I had been channeling since 2009, 2010. Um, and I really finally just said, okay, I need to share this. I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go more public with this because I actually do believe that messages from the other side can seriously help people, you know, that are struggling and can, you know, parents who've lost children. I mean, it's the worst thing you can go through. Um, I know that these messages help. So it was 2013, um, right around the same time uh, when I met Detective Pucci, it was not actually a case that involved a child. Um, a friend of mine, I had just come out and I wrote a blog post and I said, okay, so, you know, I'm a Shark Tank winning entrepreneur, carpenter. Well, I'm also a medium. <laughs> and I just waited for, you know, the just the carnage, the bomb back. to drop. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and I got a little bit of that, but but... Because I did that, a friend of mine from New York wrote me and said, can you please help? I know that you just said that you know, came out with this. Uh, my best friend's husband is missing. So I said, absolutely. I'll see what I can pick up. Well, I, you know, I was used to channeling children, not as used to channeling adults. So I ended up, uh, but getting that information, I knew he was on the other side already. He was giving me very, very specific information. Well, at the same time, Detective Mark Pucci, who had retired from NYPD, decided to also volunteer on that case because it was it's a heartbreaking case. So um, they connected us and we talked on the phone and I just knew instantly that he believed in intuition, that he had worked with other mediums before um, and that he actually has used his intuition to help him out of situations as a cop. So I felt comfortable and we agreed to talk. Uh, you know, another time he said, well, why don't you pick up everything you can pick up without me knowing a lot of detail in the case? And then I'll go do boots on the ground in New York and then we'll reconvene. I happen to have been in New York uh, at that time in 2014 for business meetings on the furniture side. So we met in a diner and we sat across from each other and he's huge. He's like, I don't know, six, four. He's a you know, very um, teddy bear of a guy. Um, very, very kind man, but a little intimidating. So I'm sitting across from him. We both have our folders. We open them up. They're pretty much identical. The information was identical. And, you know, he will, he openly says, this is not something that, you know, I didn't give her any detail. He's very, 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 um, you know, he's smart about that. Right. Well, on the case, as he's working the case, uh, which involves organized crime, he went to a specific area that I had gotten that, he needed to look for remains. He went to this area and I had told him that like that morning, I didn't know he was going out there. Um, but I, I just had this feeling, this overwhelming feeling. And then I started to hear messages like, you need to call him now. You need to warn him now. 
So I said, Mark, I don't know what you're doing today, but I am really nervous for you. And I am getting very strongly that you're in danger. And I shared a couple other things, specific symbols that I was seeing, specific landmarks. So he said, well, I'm heading out there today. I said, all right, well, be careful. He gets out there. Sure enough, there's a a person that I had sort of described uh, who is kind of waiting for him. And and the area was was not crowded at all. You know, there were really few people out in this specific area. And Mark will openly say, if he hadn't gotten the heads up from me, then he probably would not have had the jump on him that he did because this man was starting to come out of his car and was looking as if he was grabbing his gun. So, you know, this, they were on to him. And so after that, he, he pulls out and of the, of the area after he got out of the situation and he calls me on the phone. He's like, you are not going to believe this. Like, this is insane. I Kirsten. Oh my, you know, Oh my. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't even like head to toe chills. I can't believe that, you know, you went through that and that you survived that. So it's, I mean, it really is incredible. Like when you do this work uh, and you're heart centered, right. And, in you know, I just volunteer. I, I'm not a paid medium on any front. Um, not that I think that paid media, that I, I agree. Everyone should get paid for their time and their work. Um, I just happen to not operate that way, but I really am in this because I want to help mm. and I can help. And Mark's in it because of, you know, for the same reason, so much so that we even founded a nonprofit recently called the National Institute for Law and Justice. We have amazing decorated NYPD detectives. Um, we have incredible indigenous leaders, um, you know, highest level in, in different indigenous tribes around the country. And, and our hope is that we can also help work on cases on tribal lands because there's not a lot of support there. So you know, I, I think both of us know that we're here to do this work, Mark and I, and we're kind of like brother and sister in this, <laughs> in this weird woo-woo thing. And, uh, but we're, we're okay with that now, you know, and we're okay talking about it publicly. Yeah. I love you bringing up uh, the role that Indigenous people are playing. I found myself thinking a lot about, oh, there are communities who don't see this as heretical, who have it kind of baked into their ancestral cultures uh, and understand it as part of what it means to be spiritually grounded. Right. Right. I'm going to ask a question and Matt, I'm just giving you a heads up. We can remove this part. If Kirsten, it feels uncomfortable in any way. Um, So I live, I live in, I actually, I'm very excited because I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I know defiance. I I know your territory real well. Um, I live in Oakland. You live in LA. Um, and I find myself when you, when you used that phrase, the intuition of a police officer, I found myself panicking a little bit because um, because I've been witness to so much police bias that they believed was intuition that was actually racism. And so I know that's that you mean something different than mm-hmm. that when you say mm-hmm. uh, intuition. And I wonder what are the ways if if you've if you've thought about this, uh, sure. what are the ways that you navigate that balance of wanting to make sure not to contribute to the harm that some police do with Mm -hmm. the fact that there are people out there doing real harm and you're seeking to create healing for the families who have lost people and to take on organized crime, which is amazing. I wonder if you've had a chance to think much about that. Oh my gosh. That's, you know, thank you for bringing that up. Um, You know, 
I feel as if like, like any industry, right. Any, any place you are, there are folks who um, are bad apples. There are folks who have so much bias. They had no, you know, they don't even see how much bias they have. Um, You know, and I don't condone any of that by any means. For me, it's very, for me, um, in terms of Mark and some of the other folks that we're working with, um, I feel that we were all brought together because we all have the same intent. We all have the same mission. Um, we all take the same care in terms of bias. And and we check, you know, we check ourselves, we check each other, you know, we're like, hey, just, you know, just making sure that we're not, you know, we're something that um, that might trigger me that I've dealt with in the past, you know, is that a trigger for me or is that intuition? Right. So in terms of being able to even survey, okay, is this intuitive hit or is this programming from my subconscious? I tend to survey how my body feels because intuition for me is very calm. And I mentioned it in that first story. It's very, very calm. Um, It's not something that is riled up. I don't get super excited. I just kind of know. And so um, that's one of the barometers I use in terms of even just checking myself. Thank you. Um, But yeah, no, and you know, there's so much violence, right, in this world, and there's so much awful, awful stuff. Um, You know, I lived in Flagstaff, Arizona for quite some time. A lot of my friends are uh, Navajo and Hopi. And so I, you know, really got to also understand what they have been through. And, uh, you know, we, we have to do better. I have a transgender daughter. Uh, you know, it's just unbelievable the amount of amount of hate mm-hmm. and fear that is spreading. And I think that's another reason why I wanted to be vocal about this story, because I feel like, you know, if you truly trust yourself and you trust that you have that connection, whatever, however you say that, whether it's a connection to God within you, whether it is your intuition, you can make different choices because you're not being led by fear and hate, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because God is love. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I hope that that answered that a little. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, No problem. Um, I I have a question for you. I have, well, I have two questions. (laughs) One, um, how do you reconcile your faith Uh with your, I'm going to call it a gift. Okay. Yeah. Your faith Sounds good. with your gift. That's the first thing. And then the second one is I was listening to you talk and listening to um, like how in the first uh, situation that you had, the, the mom was receptive of you, but the father was like, this, this is some, you know, she yeah. knows some extra stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, you had a whole acute side eye from the, from the father part. Uh-huh. Uh, my question on that end of it is, do you find that the voice in presence is louder when there seems to be reception on both sides of the matter. Yes. Or is that, you, you understand what I'm asking? Like, does it help when the person they're trying to reach is more receptive to them? Are they, do they, do they feel, and by they, I mean, whoever's trying to communicate, do they feel more empowered? Does that, mm-hmm. does that make sense? That's such a great question. Yes, it absolutely makes sense. Yes. The more open you are to receiving information, the more information you're going to get. And it's really interesting because I, you know, I have received information for skeptics and, you know, I just pass what I pass, right? I'm just the telephone line passing the information. However, I have also noticed that the minute someone gets into, like if I say, um, 
like recently, last year, this time, um, I was passing messages to the same family, Nate. Uh, and Nate came through and he had some really important stuff to share. Uh, and But prior to that, he's sharing evidential messages, right? So I said, I don't know why I'm hearing this song. You know that song by the Pointer Sisters, uh, Driving in Your Car? Yeah. Turn on the <laughs> right. I'm not a good singer. Uh, so <laughs> I'm hearing this song and I said to Denise, I'm hearing this song. I don't know what this means. She goes, well, let me call John. I don't know what that means either. And John said, I have been, that song has been in my head nonstop for two weeks. Whoa. Right. So exactly. So wild. Yeah. So it's so, it's so wild to me because they are open to it. Right. Because they now believe and um, the energy flows easier. Everything. I mean, I was just bam, 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 five or six messages very, very quickly. When you have someone that says, no, that doesn't resonate. No, that doesn't resonate. It almost kind of creates a block in a way on my end. Um, So yeah, definitely be open, you know, even a, well, maybe possibly because Mm -hmm. the unfolding of messages can take a day, a year, three years. I've had, I had a, a woman who was a grieving mom and her son came through in spirit and he said to her, or he was showing me a pink room with, you know, pink everything. And it didn't resonate with her at the time. Um, They didn't think they could get pregnant again. And six months later, she called me and said, oh, my gosh, first of all, I have to tell you we're pregnant and it's a little girl. And so that's what that message was about. So, you know, I think just being open to knowing that this might resonate down the road, this might resonate now. It's a big deal. And then you would also ask about how do I reconcile that with my faith? Your gift with your faith. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, I was lucky in that I wasn't in church every week. Uh, you know, I wasn't taught to fear. Um, you know, I would hear people say, uh, what is the term they say, you know, when you, um, when you fear God, right? Uh, and I can't think of the term, but fear, I, reverence. the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or something like that. Yeah. there. Yeah. Just that, you know, that is a punishing God. And I used to think yeah. that just doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. Even as a little kid, didn't make sense to me. Like, how can you preach love, but yet there's so much hate and punishment, you know, uh, for LGBTQ people, for mediums, for whomever. So for me, I was really lucky in that I was not indoctrinated, you know, in all of that at an early age, because it, it gave me the chance to look at all of the other religions. And I actually, you know, I believe firmly that you can have your faith, you know, I, I think that we're, what it really comes down to is the golden rule. You know, we're here to love and be loved. And if we could all figure that out, that would be pretty amazing. But instead, our human egos get in the way, right? And um, and so for me, it was just always about love and doing the right thing, you know, for others. That's how it, that's how it, I frame my religion. Very cool. Um, I just wanted to um, chime in a little bit with the be the I love December's question about being open or, you know, that makes it easier. And in mm-hmm. my experience, um, spirit speaks very efficiently. And so sometimes mm-hmm. a symbol like a pink bedroom may take a little bit of time to unravel. And it's that open dialogue that helps the symbols or the the word or the whatever it is um, have a broader context and make more sense. And so I think I didn't hear you as saying like, don't be skeptical. Like the skeptic is actually really valuable. 
but um, like not to make not to make evidence fit where it doesn't fit, but to be open yeah. where it does fit because that helps us decipher the messages. They don't like they, the um, the symbols don't come with a code book. We've got to figure that out. No, they don't. They don't. And that is the hardest thing. Honestly, my brain, because I am very, I was probably a detective in a past life, right? So my brain likes to figure everything out and I have to push my brain aside and say, all right, all right, conscious brain, step aside, you know, just let the intuitive side work for a minute because I'm constantly passing messages and saying, all right, um, this, this image that I'm getting, I don't know what this is. Well, I'm not supposed to know. I'm just the messenger. And so even it happened yesterday on a phone call with a friend and it was pretty cool because, you know, I saw this very specific vision and I said, I don't know what this means, but I'm going to pass it. And it was the first time that we, she and I had talked, she's an author, a new author friend, and she knew exactly what it meant. And exactly, you know, I knew who it was from and she knew exactly. And it was, you know, what she needed to see at that moment. So, Yeah. It's true. I have to, I have to, you know, get myself to sit back down sometimes if I want to try and figure everything out (laughs) and, uh, and, you know, try and try and isolate that and push that aside for a little bit when I share messages. I have a question. And first, let me just say, I I really enjoy your energy and your, uh, your presence and your story. And it's very enlightening. And I I just, I have a question. Most of, most of people that's in their right mind and just about everybody who ain't, talk to themselves, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all talk to ourselves and, and answer ourselves. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think it's healthy to have conversations with yourself and sometimes, you know, but uh, my question, my question to you, Kirsten would be, how do you discern when it's you versus them? We all talk to ourselves. We all have a voice of our own voice. And some, I got, I got several versions of me that talk to me right Right, (laughs) sometimes sometimes I'm talking down to myself sometimes I'm talking about (laughs) myself sometimes I'm talking to myself sometimes I'm yelling at myself you know sometimes I'm preaching to myself whatever the case is we all have voices that we talk to ourselves how do you discern and how did you develop your ear um for the because I'm I'm sure it wasn't always always clear so how did you Mm -hmm. develop your ear for the voices, discerning the difference between yours and theirs? So I, that's such a great question. I ended up um, being very, very in tune with my physical body. And that was actually one of the first thing that started to happen. You know, when, when someone says something that's truth and you go, Ooh, I have goosebumps, right? Uh, That started to happen right away. What I also noticed is that if I was hearing a voice that had my voice, attached to it sometimes. Sometimes they sound like who they are. Sometimes they sound like me. If I had chills up my left side, then I started to figure out that that pattern meant that they were on the other side and they were sharing information with me. Um, In the cases of, yeah, right. In the cases of uh, when they would, I would notice like a buzzing sensation or a, a chill on my right side. And I started to finally recognize that that's when folks needed help crossing into the light. Because there are some that if they've died tragically, um, if they don't quite understand what has happened, um, then they're, if they have been told during their lifetime that, you know, if they committed suicide, that they're going to hell, then they can be sort of uh, in that in between. And then that's where I would step in and help them cross into the light. Wow. 
Yeah. And so I started to notice that the right side meant that they hadn't crossed over and the left side for me meant they had. So it was sort of a combination of of physical chills. It was also just understanding that knowing um, that it's very calm when it comes through. Um, if a voice is hate filled or, you know, even, even kind of punishing of myself, I'll recognize, well, that's just my ego. Cause I'm, <laughs> you know, bummed that I messed up or I made a mistake mm-hmm. or because from what I can tell, you know, those messages are always very loving and, um, very supportive. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's intuition. That's yeah. That is so cool. I have I have one kind of this may sound like an odd question, but as you were talking about some of the cases and stuff, I was just curious. Um, does it always it, so? Because in the first example you gave, you're minding your own business here, and then right. you know Nate starts talking to you, <clears throat> and then you reached out. So I'm curious now that you're working on different cases in, with police officers and stuff. Um, does it ever happen that you just randomly hear from someone first and then you take that to the police and go, hey, this person is talking to me and maybe it's not even a case that they're looking at at the moment? Or is it always, hey, the police have a certain case and then you will channel someone related to the case? Yes. Well, it happens both ways. Both ways? Uh, it, yeah, both ways. And, you know, honestly, uh, so much of my, like, I, I work full time. I've got two kids. I, you know, life, <laughs> life is life, right? So I'm juggling a lot of stuff. And um, I was actually back East helping a friend who was going through cancer treatment about a year ago. And I, my intuitive brain, it was not on. I was mainly just in like, how can I support her? What can I cook for dinner tonight? You know, what are we going to sit and watch in her bed? And we were sitting in bed and she's flipping the channels and there's a Lifetime movie about a very famous uh, abduction case. And she said, oh, we should watch this. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. Not paying attention. In the living room, there was a huge thud and it was a painting that had fallen off the wall, which had never fallen off the wall before. Right. So she knows me well enough. She knows all the woo woo. So Mm -hmm. she, so I got up and I went and looked and sure enough, the paintings on the floor. And then I realized that that they were trying to get my attention. Now, what I hadn't realized about this particular case, and I'm not going to name the case, but, uh, I, I knew some of the outcome. I knew they found the perpetrator. What I didn't know was that they hadn't found her remains. And so she gave me that information what they also will do, though, is I ask, should I pass this information on now or should I wait? And she said, wait, there will be a surprising connection that comes to fruition. And that recently happened. And so, you know, the the wheel is so wild to me how the timing works and how the wheels start going uh, on something like that. And I know that we're going to be able to help in that in that case. So of course I shared that information with Mark and he said, I've always had a feeling about that case. And, and Mm. yeah, so, yeah. So sometimes that happens. That's so amazing. And sometimes they have to hit me over the head. (laughs) Or or knock things off the walls. Right. No, the television goes on and off all the time. And and again, I have children, you know, in spirit around me a lot. Uh Um, I have electronic issues constantly. I can't believe we haven't blipped out on this call. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, the TV is, you know, constantly on and off on its own. And I just laugh like, okay, kids. I hear you. Yeah. Why does that remind me of, uh, was it Chris Tucker in that movie? Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> no? Let me knock this picture off the wall. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a story in Little Voices that you'll enjoy too, because I, I mean, I've seen amazing things happen. I was digging for evidence. I've seen dirt 
filled in that wasn't there. Um, literally manifested dirt that, yeah, was a physical, a physical thing. Um, you know, my mouth has just dropped open numerous times uh, on what they can do. And I have noticed just for the listeners out there that they come through electronics because they're energy, right? Mm -hmm. So anything electronic, your phone rings. um, A lot of times right after someone passes, you know, you still have their information, of course, in your phone and the phone will ring and no one's there. Well, Mm -hmm. that's because energy is easy. It's a conduit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kirsten, this is so amazing. And uh, I know everyone's going to want to um, get your book and read all the other stories. Thank you so much for being here. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? People in the 3D world here, not people yes. in spirit. They already have your number. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thank you all so much for having me. I've loved talking with you, by the way. Uh, you can find me at kirstenhathcock.com. Uh, it's K-I-E-R-S-T-E-N, hathcock.com. Um, and I, the book is on is everywhere. It's Post Hill Press, Simon & Schuster. Uh, we have a television show in the works as well that I'm hoping I could share more information down the road, but I'm hoping it's going to normalize intuition and normalize this a bit, you know, for everyone uh, for everyone's sake. So uh, yeah, awesome. I think that's about it. I'm on all the socials, all that stuff. So definitely connect with me. I, I love to connect with folks. Awesome. Apparently. Yes, you're right. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Kirsten. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wow. Thank you, Kirsten. Um, what a great interview. Wow. What a great conversation. So I'm, cool. I'm fascinated. And uh, well, it's also just a really great way to lead us into our, our topic for our final episode, right? We're going to try to make sense of this whole medium thing. So uh, we, we have someone, one, one of our hosts, one of our co-hosts here uh, actually is a medium, right? And has done some of this. So Katie, I think you, you need to walk us through some of this stuff. All right. Yeah, I can kick oh, us off. I wouldn't, I wouldn't you weren't myself. talking about me? Sorry. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're medium, but on a different scale. Oh, savage. I call myself a medium. I would say I've had a little bit of training, and I, I work really closely with the psychic medium, Andrea St. Ahmad. We co-host events, and so I, I watch it in action a lot, um, and I've had a few you know, a few, a, a, about a year's worth or so of lessons. And I'm sadly, sadly behind in my studies. Um, So I can preface this with saying that when I was first introduced to the idea of mediumship and like a, an early intuitive class I took, I thought this lady is not for real. Like there's no way. Um, yeah. So I would say, you know, this is actually pretty new territory for me, like the past seven, eight years maybe, and then started studying it myself because so many of my people ask about it because it's so loaded, you know, in evangelical culture. And and I would say in non-evangelical culture too, it's something Mm -hmm. that is either thought of as being satanic or not real. Right. And so that, you know, for, for deconstructing Christians, this is super loaded. Um, so I'll just give my basic definition and let's let's go from there. Um, so my basic definition is a medium is someone who can communicate with discarnate beings or discarnate spirits. So we are all incarnated here on planet Earth. Uh, we have bodies and it, however you believe it, but like a soul that inhabits your body. And then um, when we die, our souls become discarnate. That is before they're reincarnated, of course. But we of get course. the idea. 
Um, and so immediate, <laughs> so this, it gets really complicated uh, at this point when you're like, are we talking to a past life or the current life or the, what if they have come back anyway, but let's just keep it simple. Um, so a medium um, will, can communicate with a discarnate soul, whether that's a past loved one, but that also includes like angelic beings or beings that weren't, weren't, weren't ever necessarily in a human body. My, yeah. And so my preferred way of doing mediumship or letting people experience mediumship is evidential psychic mediumship, which means that the medium will take great care to establish the identity of the soul that they're speaking with um, and the relationship it has with that person before they start giving a lot of information. So for instance, um, if I was doing a mediumship reading with someone or if I was receiving someone, the medium might say, okay, I feel like this might be like a great aunt or someone in an aunt relationship to you. Do you have anyone in spirit like that? The person will say yes or no. Um, and then you keep going. And so you want to like not actually give the medium a lot of clues. It should really be straightforward yes and no questions for quite a yeah. while until you get until you're certain you have the identity of the person. Um, and so you can do that with a past loved one. You obviously can't really do that with like an angel. Um, right. That's just going on, you know, on kind of good faith. Um, so there, there we have it. That's my definition. What is what do we all think? Can I can I ask a question? That's what I'll allow it. Okay, that was my first question. <laughs> my second question is: um, so, are there different forms of communication? Because, like, when we talk about, like, if I say I communicated with Keith, it's either text or email or straight, like, verbally. Are we actually saying that, like, people hear voices or talk to, like, a ghostly figure or? What is that like? Or is it more just intuiting something? For modern mediumship, it's going to be mostly intuition. Old school mediumship of like the 19th century might have ectoplasm and say kind of that seance stereotype. Um, these days, uh, hardly anyone does that anymore. And so it'll be mostly intuitive, but it depends on how the medium experiences their intuition. So most, most of us um, have four main intuitive faculties, um, inner hearing, our inner seeing, our inner knowing, or our inner feeling. So for instance, um, I'm thinking like a Andrea, I'm just using an example from Andrea because she's my um, kind of closest connection, but she will often feel a sensation like on the back of her scalp, which means grandma. I, I don't know if this is actually true for her. This is just an example. Like back of the scalp might mean grandma or like shivers running up and down her arm might mean mother Mary. Um, and wow. so it, it can be bodily sensation. And like, that's just the consistent clue that spirit gives her. Um, and then, um, I mean, she's, she's very good. And so I think she, I think she mostly sees and hears, and that's certainly been my experience too. So it's actually much quicker than standing and having a verbal conversation. Also, and I, we talked about this a little bit with Kirsten, um, spirit is super efficient. So it's not always super clear. You have to unpack it. Unpacking it takes longer than the communication. Cool. So hmm. let me, I want to ask something, a follow up on that, Katie, because um, I, I don't know that I was, I, I think I was expecting when I think, when I think of mediumship, I'm thinking kind of more, I guess, like what Kirsten was talking about, like she's hearing something with probably not audibly, but like, you know, in her inner, as you said, inner hearing, inner knowing kind of a thing. 
hearing a voice, you know, communicating something. But you mentioned seeing something. And I'm just curious about that because that's what is that like? Have you experienced that? What you've yeah, seen? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, it's it's not my main thing, um, but and I don't I don't like like I said I'm really beginner, so I don't get a full story or anything like that. Um, but I know when I was doing a, a practice reading with someone, I said, well, I kind of see this. I can't remember what the relationship was. Like a, I, I get a lot of great aunts and in laws. Like it's a grandma in law or mother in law or someone. Um, I was like, well, I kind of see her like making this gesture and I'm not literally seeing it. It's just kind of like, I know, and I kind of see in my mind's eye, but it's not like a movie. And so okay. like Kirsten, I mean, what I heard from Kirsten is that she really has like audible, like that inner, inner ear mm -hmm. audible communications that are very clear. I mean, so that's, that's a really clear connection she seems to have. Uh, I am not yeah. quite that gifted, but I do believe that we're, I do believe that mediumship is in natural state because it's, it's simply communicating with spirit, which we all do all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, like, you know, religious people do it all the time, whether they know it or not. Um, but it's just simply being in tune with spirit and the more universalist we are, the easier it is. So I think mediumship is natural. We just unlearn it. Yeah. So now I've had, uh, so just to kind of relating to, like you just said, you know, like, um, so some of us have kind of had similar experiences like that. Um, and I certainly have in the past, um, <clears throat> I can remember when I was, when I was part of our house church thing we were doing in California and we were very kind of, you know, charismatic leaning, um, People would have words of knowledge for things. Um, people, uh, I even did once for somebody, a guy I didn't even know. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was, you know, it's only happened to me a couple of times um, where I just, I just said things that completely connected with this person in a way I had no clue about, but I it was a very strong impression that came to me and I spoke it and it had an incredible impact on the person. Um, and I've also had, I've seen things too, like you're saying, like visions. Like one time I was praying for my son um, and I saw this weird image in my mind of like a flaming basketball. It was like a basketball on fire, which made no sense to me. And I just said it as I was praying for my son. I just said it out loud. Like I see this ball of fire looks like a basketball. And when I finished, my son said he saw the exact same thing before I said it. Ooh. He was so he was seeing the same image before I spoke it out loud, and so I mean I've had those kinds of sort of you know spiritual I don't know what else you call them experiences right where I've seen things or known things or felt things, and 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 again they've been verified by the person by the other person. Uh, it's not just my imagination, right? So someone else is validating and saying yes I heard that or yes I see that or yes this this is true or this connects. Is that kind of what you're saying? Um, yeah. In the media oh, totally. side of things? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. I think most people are going to have, what, what, what do we call it? Mediumship, psychic, you know, whatever it is. And those are all just scary words for saying we're in touch with spirit. Um, but that, you know, I think most people are going to have those experiences. Most of us aren't going to have them super consistently. So like I have to work at it. It actually doesn't come all yeah. that naturally to me. I don't have a ton of direct experience with this. I think I shared in a previous episode that... A mutual friend of Katie's and mine went to uh, a medium session. Uh, 
and she wasn't really going for herself. She was going to support a friend. But while she was there, the person who was running the session said that she was getting a message from somebody. And as she kind of described what was going on with the person, what things she was experiencing, our friend was like, oh, yeah, that's my friend who just died. And um, it's not that I don't think it's possible. It's not that I uh, have any doubts about it. It's interesting because I think my struggle with it, and it's it's something Matt and I uh, talked about a little bit, is the ways in which maybe the systemic injustices on this plane end up being reconstructed on the other plane. Um, I loved listening to um, our, our guest, um, and I also found myself thinking, why aren't why don't we ever hear from um spirits in the next world who are like the police industrial complex is suspect and needs to you know like (laughs) we never hear about that stuff right like um if i got a chance to connect with a black panther would they be telling me about how to navigate personal issues or would they be telling me how to you know deconstruct capitalism um and i find myself wondering why we don't ever hear about issues of justice in mediumship feels like it's always very involved in um, the very interpersonal, the very, yeah, the very kind of individual level. I messaged Katie about that because I've been wrestling with it a lot. And um, I can't remember if you said exactly this, but I remember coming away from it being like, oh, right, because 95% of people on this plane don't think about those things either. Um, Maybe that's why. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's not part of the evolution in the next plane. It's one of the things that just genuinely puzzles me as somebody who's entire brain on this plane gets consumed by how do we create a more just world? How do we create God's kingdom here on earth? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I mean, people are people, right? So um, whether it's this side or the next um, people on the next side may have a little more direct contact with, with spirit than we do. Um, But also I'm of the firm, the belief that the more we're healed and the point of mediumship is for greater healing, but certainly the work that Kirsten does is justice making. Yes. Like radically justice making. And, but I think also too, when we personally heal, we're better able to participate in that. Right, that healing actually yeah. empowers us to um, to dismantle you know systems that aren't that don't work. So a little two cents. Um, I can I can tell a funny story in a group mediumship session that Andrea and I have. We have these like two or three times a year. They're really fun. We'll have like t- t- between ten and twenty people usually gather, and then Andrea gives messages as they're coming in, and it's really fun to see her. Like we kind of narrow down who the who the message is for, and she usually sets the intention not to include me because I'm a host. So we want as many people who are there um, to receive the message. And one time we just forgot, we just forgot to set that intention. And finally I raised my hand. I said, I think that's one of the nuns that taught me at Catholic school. And it completely was. So nuns on the other side seem to be pro mediumship. And it was, yeah. I mean, it was just like a sweet message. Like we were the like little Protestant kids at this, at this Catholic school. I can't even remember what the message was. It was just funny. I was like, Oh, I think that's sister who, Anthony or Anita or someone like that too. So it's like interesting who will come through. It's not always grandma or mom. Sometimes it's like, it can be a little Mm -hmm. more distant. Uh, I had a former parishioner actually come through once. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, this was kind of funny because the message was um, like, you should go back and take a church position. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. (laughs) 
I'm not doing that right now. And so yeah. it, and it's not like, it's not like when a spirit, t- when a relative or someone who's on the other side tells us to do something, it's not like we have to do it. If they were mm-hmm. terrible at finances, please don't take financial advice from them just because they're dead. <laughs> yes. Right. Like they're the giving their blast. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily the right opinion. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, I know I brought this up several times before in my kind of like my skeptical side of this stuff. Um, and, and again, I don't bring up the skeptical stuff to say, I don't believe any of it. I'm just saying that like, I, I have seen Darren Brown who I love, by the way, I, I would love to get him on the show. One of these days, Darren, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on. Um, and I've tried, but anyway, I love Darren Brown and he d- has done some really cool stuff. Um, so he does kind of medium shows, right? He, he, he's done these kind of things. He's done some faith healing stuff. Um, again, he'll say it's totally fake. It's not the power of the Holy Spirit at all, but people get healed at these shows and all this stuff. But then he'll also do, he'll bring people up and he'll do a medium thing. Well, he'll say, oh, I'm getting a voice and it's, you know, this person. And, and he'll, and he'll know like super detailed information about this person that's passed away. And then, it, but then Wait. he'll continually say, go ahead. Oh, who is he? Like, what is... Is, what's his occupation or? Oh, so Darren Brown, uh, it's D-E-R-R-E-N Brown, Darren Brown. Um, he's British. He has, he's had some shows in, um, in, like on BBC in, in the UK. Okay. He like some shows on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's a, basically, he's a magician. He does basic magic stuff, um, but he also does like mentalism, you know, mind reading okay, um, cool. and things like that. He was a Christian. He's not anymore. Um, and he said, mostly he's not a Christian anymore because as he was learning hypnotism and, um, you know, magic and things like that, uh, while he was a Christian, he started noticing similar technique coming from the pulpit. And he was like, Oh, this is bullshit. I can do that. I can do all that same stuff. So anyway, so he does this in his act and he'll, and he's very amazing and very convincing. And, and, and but he'll constantly say like, you know, like I'm not hearing any voices from any dead people, just so you know. But then, but then at the same time, you'll say something like super details that you're thinking how the, like the name of someone's dog, you know, who passed away and like, it's some bizarre name of the dog and he knows it. He knows what kind of dog it is. He knows the name of the dog. And, and you're like, how the hell does he, I mean, I don't know how he does it, but what he says is I'm, however he's doing it. He's like, I'm not, I'm not in contact with any spirits right now, but he is yet somehow pulling these things out of nowhere. And so you know, I guess with anything you have fakes, like, so I, I would say as an apologetic to that, as an example, I had a weird experience, um, as a Southern Baptist, um, where, you know, we didn't really do any of this spiritual gift stuff where I just sort of randomly one in, in the middle of the night, one night I was up praying and all of a sudden I was, before I knew it, I was praying in tongues. I didn't want to pray in tongues. I wasn't asking to pray in tongues. I would never have asked to pray in tongues. That must and have next thing the know, Baptist out. Oh, no, I was alone in my living room. Oh, it was just me. Okay, sorry, not yeah. in the church. So it flipped yeah, that like, Baptist out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Out. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, but as it was happening, I'm literally, the words are coming out of my mouth and my brain is saying, I don't understand those words. That's gibberish. Then I go, oh, I think I was praying in tongues. And then I think, I think to myself, I wish I could understand. And before I could even finish the thought, all of a sudden I can understand the words of what I'm saying. It's totally gibberish, but I understand this word means this, this word means that. And it was like flowing out of me. It was just crazy. Right. So I experienced something like speaking in tongues. I don't know where it came from. It was just total out of the blue. Um, and, 
But at the same time, I have also been in the room with people who literally are just making, you know, goo goo gaga noises. And so just because some people fake, you know, praying in tongues doesn't negate the fact that this is, I guess, a real thing because apparently I, I got it. It happened to me. Um, so I think, yes, there could be examples where people are faking it, are, you know, tricking people or whatever. Um, but that doesn't negate the, the reality of the experience that for some people, they really are doing it. And I guess the, the, the point is just we, we need to use some discernment um, whether something is real or not. Yeah, totally. And I um, just a couple of two cents. I, uh, I think skepticism with mediumship is really valuable, actually, because we, usually when we seek out a medium or a mediumship experience, we're in a vulnerable state, like we're hoping to hear from a loved one, we have, we feel like we have unfinished business. Um, so I get a lot of people that will come to me and they want me to recommend a medium to them like a week after someone has died. And I, I won't, I ask oh, them to wow. wait six months. Good. Yeah. Cause I, I think we need our own grief. We need to not shortchange our grief process. So uh, there's an interesting thing that happens because gr grief and the death of someone is the process for moving from their presence to their absence. And my yeah. personal opinion, it's only when we reconcile that absence that we can then move back to a state of presence. That's good. Through something like mediumship. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what happened to our friend is the person who was trying to communicate. Because it, it goes both ways sometimes. Yeah, right, right. Um, the, the person on the other plane also needs to adjust to whatever is going on. Mm -hmm. um, and the person who was trying to reach out to our friend had not been gone long, was confused, didn't know where he was. Um, it was, it was really kind of chaotic energy that was coming through. Um, and the medium said he, he, he's not ready to talk to anybody just yet. Um, so if you want to get into that like level of woo, I think that's also worth considering is it's not a kindness to the person on the other side. Right. Either. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, our yeah, healing matters a lot and our respect of the other also matters. You yeah. know, I I I'm a history nerd, a US history nerd in particular and I'm fascinated by the ways in which religion has been used and misused in this country, uh which is part of why I'm friends with you all and by you all I mean the co-hosts and also everybody listening. Um there was this amazing podcast, short podcast series by Jamie Loftus called Ghost Church, um, because she likewise is fascinated by uh, all things American uh, religion. And it's about American spiritualism, which is this tradition that kind of emerged in the 1800s. There's lots of interesting things about it, like women who weren't given much voice in society at that time if they could manifest some connection with spirits, if they could make tables move, if they could, yeah. you know, hear these voices from the other side, it gave them some credence, some power, some ability to earn an income. So there's some fascinating, like why women gravitated towards it. Arthur Conan Doyle was an active pr practitioner oh, yeah. of spiritualism. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. He and uh, Houdini apparently had lots of battles over this. Um, and so I wanted to just mention one of the cautionary tales that Jamie Loftus brings up that if you've ever encountered American spiritualism, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, it's a religious practice. There are people who get meaning out of it. It's fine. Um, but there is an awful lot of 
history in this country wrapped up in spiritualism that misappropriates indigenous people. So uh, George Colby, one of the founders of spiritualism, claimed that he was, um, you know, in touch with, gosh, I'm trying to think, one a really famous indigenous uh, ancestor. And the versions of indigenous people that they kept channeling were maybe a little caricaturish, weren't super respectful, weren't if I were an indigenous person being channeled through uh, a white American, uh, I might say, Hey, do you know whose land you're on? Uh, but that for some reason never came up in the conversation. Um, and so I just want to mention like the ways in which Eastern mysticism, uh, even that phrase, um, a lot of things get appropriated from other religions, from other cultures uh, in justifying the practices. And I just want to say if, if you encounter someone doing that, you are definitely invited to call them out on it. Um, there are other ways of engaging in this that don't require you to do that. So whether you believe in it or not, or if you do believe in it, I think be aware of the ways in which other religions and other cultures get misused. There's a long history of simultaneous mistreatment of indigenous people while appropriating indigenous, misappropriating indigenous practices in this particular arena. And definitely, if you have some time to kill, listen to Ghost Church by Jamie Loftus. It is fascinating. And do you yeah. know what is do is what is the ghost dance? Ghost, sorry, Ghost Church. Oh, sorry, Ghost, ghost Church. Church. Ghost Church is 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 the maybe unkind nickname for uh, for American the American spiritualist church. Oh, got it. Which like is I an said, actual I'm religious super tradition. Yes. <laughs> If you so, said yeah, it more than a minute ago, I'm going to forget. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Oh, it's Seneca. Right. George Colby says uh, that Seneca is speaking through him, which is a pretty bold claim. That is that is bold. And, uh, you know, generally mediums don't go seeking out mm -hmm. the spirit you allow mm -hmm. that spirit yeah, you to. You really don't have control over what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. No. No, correct. I'm just so pretty confident Seneca would have said, "Give us our land back." Yeah, that's just yeah. my Where, guess. Where's I'm gonna I'm gonna recorporalize right now with a better weapon, with a modern weapon, not a better <laughs> yeah. weapon, a modern weapon, right? Yes. <laughs> so, what about the Bible and mediums? Bible. Because I mean, the the Bible, the the Bible is in our lyrics in the show. So, does the Bible have <laughs> Anything to do, is there any mediumship, any mediums in the Bible, any stories of stuff like this? Or any of you ever, you know, have any of you either quoted or been quoted to about like all those verses in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you know, you shall not consort with that. You shall not suffer a witch to live. Yeah, that's right. Which, yes. which means they're there. So right? you know, they were, yes. they were yeah. around, right? Otherwise they wouldn't yeah. be talking about it. Yeah. Well, we talked quite a bit about Act 16, an episode or two ago, and the in the girl, the enslaved girl with uh -huh. the Pythia spirit. Yeah. Uh -huh. Any? Uh, I don't know. We covered we covered quite a bit. What's uh, any anything piquing anyone's interest about that one? No, I mean, I, I think it was just good maybe to remind people that yeah, we we didn't talk about it. We did talk about it, and um, yeah, it was just it's weird that she was kind of prophesying all this stuff and. Um, yeah. And then basically the, the apostles just got pissed off 
because she was annoying them uh, and, and quote unquote cast a demon out of her and she stopped. So, um, but I think we talked about that, right? That's sort of a, the assumption is that it must've been a demon or something. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it seems to be because she's recognizing Paul as like, sir, like Paul and his, I forget Barnabas or someone who's with him, like servants of the most yeah. high. Right, like she's telling the truth, and yeah. it's definitely called a Pythia, not a demon. But it seems to be like in opposition, like to mm-hmm. the to yeah. the realm of God, as told by the by the author of Acts. Um, it's in the article that I wrote at the end of it. I my last paragraph was to I was like, it sucks whenever we write about the enslaved girl to always say, and then she's written out of the story, or like then she was bartered, or then she was useless. I was like, that totally blows. So I wrote a paragraph to um, attempt to recapture her voice. Mm. as an authentic like she's an authentic prophetess yeah Mm -hmm. and so if we can see her as an authentic prophetess apart from being labeled as demonic or in opposition to god i I found that pretty cool i like that hey i've got a i've got a random thought i know we're going to get to the most famous example in just a second but i wonder you all are better bible scholars than i am has anyone ever made the case that when Jesus talks with the uh, demons that have uh, and cast them into the the pigs that go off the cliff, any argument to be made for that being mediumship? Not that I know of. I I, I actually look at that um, like now now I that whole story uh, about casting the legion out of the out of the man and putting in and they go into the swine and they kill themselves. I think that whole thing's a parable. I don't think it ever happened at all because it because legion at the time if you heard the word legion you would have thought of the Roman army right, right. right? and 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 so I think it's a it's sort of a parable uh, yeah. of like how the Romans are basically going to destroy themselves when Jesus casts them out of Israel or something like that. Oh, I read it as anti-military, but that's yeah. clearly my oh, that's, own personal yeah, that's bias. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's part of it too. Obviously, it's just the Roman military, but yeah, military in general. Yeah. Also, in my, um, I, I don't know if they would call it mediumship. I'm not like opposed to it. Just it's all sort of in this like nebulous spiritual realm, mm-hmm. right? So at some point, the labels kind of dissipate. But mm-hmm. also, the guy is the garrison demoniac, and um, he lives in the tombs. He's chained up. He runs around right. screaming right. and saying things. He's horrible PR for Jesus. Horrible. Yeah. And so Jesus is like, get out of that and like stop calling me because stop naming who I am in front of these crowds. Like get into the pigs. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. He's like, you may be right, but you do not make me look good. I had never thought about that. I do not want the white paper going out about this, about (laughs) what I'm doing on this Gentile side of the lake. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. So let's talk about um, maybe the the most famous example of mediumship in the Bible. The Witch of Indoor. Is she among the Ewoks? Yes, the, the, the yes, Clearly. the Ewoks. Uh, well, oh, wouldn't it be I'm, cool if she were? Now I'm picturing that story in a completely different light, and I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the song. That's great. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. great. We're channeling George Lucas. We're channeling everyone all at once here. And I got to say, as I was re-skimming it, I don't know if anybody's willing to do a plot summary i was noticing katie what you were talking about like 
the what did you call it um where you're kind of like saying all right i'm seeing these characteristics ev- evidentiary mediumship oh yeah yeah um, that's what she does in the story right. so Ooh. yeah anybody want to yeah. anybody want to do a quick plot summary it seemed like you have a good handle on it do, do you want well to- i mean kind of so um samuel's dead right this is in first samuel 28 um yeah. and samuel Wait, spoilers so- ahead spoilers ahead Yes, Samuel dies. I'm sorry. Darn it. Yeah, you're right. Kevin got that My bad. And um, Saul's not doing well. Yeah. Right. No, Saul's and, not doing good. Yeah, exactly. And so he finds out about this medium, right? And yes. And goes and seeks her out. and Because he, he's like, I gotta talk to Samuel. Um, and so, she, so he goes to her and he's like, well, what do you see? Who, you know, I bring up Samuel for me. And then... Um, the woman is kind of describing what she sees, right? Like, hold on. I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. And he uh, he said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up. He is wrapped in a robe. Okay. It's not as specific as I might've wanted to get, but so Saul knew that it was Samuel. Uh, okay. I take it back. I mean, that's not as evidentiary as it could have been. The old guy with the robe. It must be him. Yeah, right. must it's be Samuel. That's guy. Yep. That's the guy. I mean, everybody's old and wearing robes here. But why not? But I, actually, I think there's two things going on there. One, that's a lot of dialogue for the Bible. A lot. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, for the Old Testament, we rarely get that much dialogue. or And there's not a lot of kind of internal reflection, but just a little bit. That's a lot more than we get in most stories from the Old Testament. Um, the second is that uh, Saul had cast out all of yes. the mediums, wizards, witches, right. like whatever we call them. And threatened um, them with death. Yes. Yeah, and threatened them with death. And so she's stayed. And then so naturally she's like frightened. And so when she's like, hell yeah, I'll call up whoever you want, right? Like she's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's also a story yes. about a lot of exploitation and uh you know all um excess power. Yeah. But I do like I do think she's I do I do think she's evidentiary here. I like your I yeah. like the insight, yes. <laughs> and, and she's successful. This is the thing about it is like, you know, so we've outlawed mediumship and all that stuff. It's it's bad. It's evil. It's wrong. But by the way, it works. Um, mm-hmm. And it works so well that Saul is like, I need to find someone who who can do this shit for me mm-hmm. because I need I need I need some advice from Samuel right now. And it, it totally works. Like Samuel shows up and then rebukes him. Right. Like, yep, what are you doing? Lazy, why, why have you disturbed me and all this stuff? That's how you know it is Samuel is he yes, brings all of right. the fire that Samuel would bring like what is your damage like and he's kind of pissed off about yeah. it like hey leave me alone I was I was doing fine here and you called me back yeah yeah you've and, already annoyed God <laughs> <laughs> and Saul can see him this yeah, is actually yeah, not coming too. through the medium anymore so That's Saul right. has a little touch of mediumship it. himself here yeah there you go yeah really interesting so this story is used a lot to condemn like the what we now call mediumship. And for the life of me, I can't understand why. Nope. Yeah, like, it works. <laughs> it, it works. She does what the king asks, even though he's a he's he's unhinged by this point mm-hmm. in the story. And mm-hmm. she's um, I mean, like in verse 21, it says the woman came to Saul when he saw that she was uh when she saw that he was terrified. Yep. Um she said to him, you know, I've listened to you, I've taken my life, uh, my life in my hand, I've listened to what you've said to me. So one of the things that we I think we also get um from this and then from those verses in Deuteronomy and Leviticus is that we have a condemnation of foreign women. 
Mm, um, right. There's oh, a con. Yeah. There, there seems to be a condemnation of like, or, or women who were maybe original to the land before the Israelites came into the land. So the foreign to the Israelites. So we see that in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it's like, don't do what all these other people do. And so again, we see kind of the fearful woman. People whose land we've just taken from them. Right. And so there's also condemnation. So like bringing it back to like, you know, Shonda, your commentary on the ghost church as well. Right. So it's, um, yeah, condemning these kind of native practices as well. So I think we're seeing a lot of layers here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for the life of me, I read this and I'm like, but she didn't, she didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) The jackass in the story is clearly Saul. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I never understand why this is used as a condemnation. Uh, you know, well, here's the thing. You don't have a lot of examples in the Bible, so you got to find yeah. what you can. And when you find one, you just use it. You just find a way to make it bad, right? Because all they ever yeah. talk about is the only bad thing is, well, you know, uh, Saul had made it, uh, you know, a, a death penalty if you were caught doing it. But beyond that, he still goes and it still works. And he does get a message, which is what he wanted. So, yeah, uh, it is weird. Yeah, and this is it's just like um in in the in this part of the the Deuteronomistic history, um Saul's becoming, you know, more and more mad, more and more unhinged and he's just like mm-hmm. paving he's like the ultimate kind of um tragic king. He's just mm-hmm. making the way for David to come and like save the day. Yeah, right. it really is kind of notes for Shakespeare, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's, you know, that's that story. So I'm like, go medium. Yeah. Stand your ground. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't leave when you were kicked out. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. yeah we don't know what sure. happened to her afterwards, though. Maybe he went afterwards. He, maybe he put her to death. We have no idea. I mean, hope it not. says she gave him a good meal and he left in the middle of the night. Let's hope that he at least had the decency to be like, I'm just going to let this yeah. one slide. That, I hope. Because, you know, he might need to come back later. So mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Let's keep this one the only one. She's, she's mm-hmm. pretty good. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. Thanks so much, Katie, for all of the wisdom and experience. I know you've got an amazing friend, Afro uh, colleague, uh, Afro Spiritual, who does a lot of this stuff and connects it to, um, you know, his he talks about how his grandmother was uh, really involved in this stuff, but would never have called it um, voodoo. She would never have called it mediumship. She just called it the spirit. and how he's continuing that legacy in some ways. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate you bringing, uh, bringing this up because for some Christians, um, this functions alongside their faith. There's a whole bunch of folks um, yeah. in the American South and the Caribbean and West Africa who do not see these things in competition with each other. Um, and I kind of feel like this Bible passage proves why that's, totally fine even if you are a firm believer in the bible as um the absolute guide in what to do in life which obviously everybody on this show feels of course yes it's... yes yes die <laughs> died in the wool. i yes i live my life by that whole thing yes well um so i think we've solved the problem of mediumship so everyone you're welcome as you deconstructed this now uh with us for the past hour hour and a half um yeah, should we talk about should should we talk about what's coming up next? Yeah, it, let's yes. give a little little uh, teaser yeah. of what's coming up. What's our next series? We got we got some gnostic. <laughs> <laughs> we 
We got some Gnostic got? flavored things coming up. Oh, good for you. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about some of those books. Gnosticism that on this show. I know, what? crazy. <laughs> so we're gonna be uh, talking about some of the stuff that doesn't. Uh, some of those juicy things that don't make it into the Bible. So if you want to be like kind of super whacked out by some of the stories, tune in. They're really fun. They are really bizarre, some of them, and not yeah. that long. So you might even want to read some of them along with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're kind of wacky. In the best way, though. Yes. I yeah, mean, again, fun. like, it's fun, right? We can't yeah, take we any great... of this too literally and seriously. Yeah, some great guests uh, <laughs> walking us through some of this, some experts. So that's always helpful. Yeah, y'all are going to hear from the best. They're really fun. Yeah, can't wait. So we're going to be doing that. And uh, but before we sign off today, this is kind of sad. I'm going to take December's. I'm going to take December's place here and announce that we have a shitty ass website that hasn't been updated (laughs) in like two years. And I go look at it. Go check it out. It's like a time capsule. (laughs) (laughs) See what websites looked like in 2021. Um, Go to heretichappyhour.com. I mean, you know, but look, there's still merch. There's there's hats and there's t-shirts. And And the last episode's from April of 2021. (laughs) So if you want to listen to that episode, I don't know what it's about. Go on in there. Check it out. I'm going to go. I'm going to sign in and look at it and see if I can't update the website for y'all. But um, in the meantime, check out heretichappyhour.com or don't. We've gotten this far without it. So there you go. Um, so I'm going to, in the spirit of the show, I'm going to channel my inner Derek. And I was trying to look this up on Wikipedia and couldn't find verification. But I think Derek told us that Endora, Samantha's mother on Bewitched, was named after the Witch of Endor. So thank you, Derek. I've psychically channeled that little tidbit of information. But basically, I just heard him say on the show like two years ago. Um, yeah. So with that, so everyone, just a little pop culture reference with the Bible there. Uh, with that, join our free Facebook group. It's called Heresy After Hours. It has all manner of people deconstructing. And sometimes they talk about stuff like mediumship and ghouls and ghosts. So we want to know what you think. If you're if you're not a member yet, come and join us. If you are a member, go post something right now about how much you love this episode. Yeah, thank you. Um, and as I said at the beginning, um, we do have a Patreon page for those of you who would like to support the podcast. Those of you that already do. Thank you so very much. It means a lot to us. And those of you that don't yet, um, yeah, head over to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour, choose a tier um, that fits your budget and support us. And you will unlock so many amazing things, including the brand new ebook that Matthew just uploaded there. Thank you very much. Uh, and so many other things. So go check it out. It's really cool. And you'll get some uh, an entry into our private uh, Facebook group, Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group. So go check that out too. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy this show, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on the podcast service you use. It's how people like you find people like us. And just as an aside, in addition to rating and reviewing us, I know that Pride Month is over, but somebody should go on the Heretic Happy Hour website and buy me the God Loves Gays t-shirt because it's awesome. Uh, There's really good merch on our site. It really is worth uh, visiting even if the episodes are old. Uh, Thanks for being with us. I, um, I I had that shirt and then... I started lifting a lot of weights and it became super, super small. (laughs) Oh.
little humble brag there. Hey, hey, you notice that? You notice that? Yeah, that I just got too muscular. I yeah. couldn't wear it anymore. My, it wasn't my even pants. a muscle shirt anymore. It was just, I was just, it was just tearing off of it my was, body. It was like ripping, I was ripping off my, body. off my body. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good quality shirt. But. You can buy another one, Matt. You can just buy one in a bigger size.